What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. My name is Louis Dooley, and I got my man Sam Key over here. What's up, my brother? Hey, what's up? Whole lot of nothing, man. We got some new tech. We got some new things going on. Yeah, we do. You got a new hat going on. I haven't I seen that one. Yeah, it's new. KC. Yeah, the Chiefs, baby. I'm pumping the Chiefs right now. I thought you that know? was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, that would be good that'd right be about KFC. now, man. That original. I like the crunchy kind. I, the, where I grew up in Ohio is like the... The, the the fried chicken capital of the world. It is? <laughs> yeah, a bunch of Serbians there. And there's like a Serbian chicken joint on every corner. Oh, yeah? I'm not joking. But they ain't good like KFC or Popeye's. Way though. better. What? It's not even close. It can't be better than Popeye's, It's not man. even close. Man, dude. Look, like, I... those places are like McDonald's compared with like a nice restaurant. I'm, I'm serious. The chicken. Really? I'm totally serious. Millich's chicken. Uh, they all end in ICH. <laughs> Yeah, the itches. Because they're serving. Like Shaq be talking about the itches <laughs> yeah. or the witches. You know, like NBA players that's from over there. Yeah, I got yeah. you. I got you. But I, I, you know what? Until I try it, I ain't saying it's better than Popeye's. Yeah. You know, or they got a place down south that I'm trying to remember the name of. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. But anyway, so, yeah. man, what we got on tap? Oh, we are talking about uh, the screw tape letters today. Screw tape letters, man. Do y'all know what the screw tape letters are? I bet you. I bet you we at least got a couple of folks yeah. that don't even know what that is. What's the screw tape? So letter? the screw tape letters. Have you heard of C.S. Lewis? Uh, of course. Yeah. So and they, and they made movies from the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, you know, I don't know, fifteen or so years ago. Uh, but his very, f- I think it was his first published book was the Screw Tape Letters. Okay. It was like in 1940, 1941. and and if it wasn't his first, it was definitely his most popular one that really put him on the map, especially in America. Uh-huh. And what the screw tape letters were was a series of, it was a book, but it was like a series of letters from a senior devil to a junior devil. The senior so, to the junior. That's right. So uh, screw tape was the senior devil. He was the, uh, you know, the quote unquote affectionate uncle. And he was writing to his nephew, whose name was Wormwood, mm-hmm. who was an, an apprentice, a junior devil. And you have to get your mind in the right headset when you're, uh, or the right mindset when you're reading the book because everything's flipped. So like they uh, talk about the enemy with a capital E, and that enemy is God. Yeah. And um, so the way uh, reality is set up then, according to this, is that each person has like a demon attached to them that follows them around and tries to tempt them to walk away from God. And um, so this is an exploration of, of how a senior devil trains the younger devil how to do this. And this younger devil, Wormwood, has what he calls his patient, which I think is just hilarious. The patient's the guy. It's hilarious because nor- normally you want to heal a patient, but this is the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their whole point is to uh, devour the patient. And it's real, I don't know, it's, it's chilling the way they describe it how their whole goal is to devour us and to eat us and consume us in hell. Like, that's their whole purpose. and um, To eat us? Yeah, to consume wow, I us. I ain't read it in a minute, man. It's, well, let's uh, not tell people too much because we want to give them just enough to make them go cop that book. Yeah. The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Get it's, that. It's a small book. Small book. It's really, yeah. It, it's deep. It's gotta, deep. It's yeah. real deep. And the way I think about it is there's 31 chapters and read a chapter a day for a month. Make that a New Year's uh, resolution. Uh-oh. Right? All right. Yeah. I ain't you no could even but, yeah. listen to the book. There's a great, I think, Tyndale House version with this British guy mm. who sounds just amazing. Like, he sounds like a devil by the end. And it's like... Oh, wow. I kind of learned more from listening to it than reading it because oh, of his okay. intonations and, and all of that. And the chapters, when you listen to it, are like five minutes long where, where each. Can we, where can we listen to this at? Where do we go? Probably Audible. I went to... Uh, You're going to have to research the internet yeah, to find out what you're to. The World Wide Web. Yeah, the World Wide WWW. Yeah, but so what I thought we would do, what I've... what I've, It's been in my mind for about, I don't know, five, ten, no, ten years was to do a screw tape Christmas. And mm-hmm. so this is taking Christmas and in my imagination thinking, how would Wormwood or any other devil interact with us during Christmas time to get on us, to cause us not to see the real meaning of Christmas, to get us to walk away, to focus on the wrong things, and so forth. So 
a screw tape Christmas. So are we going to talk about them eating Santa Claus? <laughs> that, that could be chapter. I have like chapter 32. 32. Yeah, I have, I have 31 things. Maybe the chocolate Santa That's like Claus's. 31 flavors, man. Bass yeah. Problems. Did you know that? Did they make a flavor and come back every day for a month? I don't know, but oh, I don't man. like that. You'll look like Santa Claus after that. I'm a more of a, uh, man, overwise guy myself. Yeah, that, that's good. Expensive, though. So, screw tape Christmas letters. So, here's some things. And as um, you're hearing these, think to yourself, are these ways that the enemy could be not okay now we need to get ourselves in reverse because according to this enemy is god mm-hmm. but uh are these ways that the devil that screw tape could be screwing with us mm-hmm. during the christmas season so should we start kick it off my brother all right so one way that he, that screw tape is saying to his dear wormwood here's what you can do don't let the things of christmas lead the patient towards the enemy but away from him by getting the patient to focus on uh, them, the things of Christmas, rather than looking through them to him. Mm. All right? So the patient is the person, and he's saying, okay, you're in this, you're in this Christmas season, and there's all these, you know, the trappings of Christmas, the, the gifts and the food and the gatherings, good things. And on, on one level, one thing that... Uh, the enemy that Satan wants to do is to get us to focus on those things rather than to focus on God. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, but the way we're supposed to use them is to look through them to look at God. And C.S. Lewis actually had, he used a, um, a metaphor for this, a light beam and the light it was. So he says when uh, when a uh, this is in this tool shed metaphor, like you're standing in a tool shed and you see the light come through the cracks. And the purpose is is not to like stare directly at the beam, uh, but to to be able to look at what the beam illuminates about everything in there. And then to be able to follow the beam back up and see its source. That's the same with Christmas. We're supposed to enjoy the things that God has given to us, uh, but we're not supposed to just focus on them. We're supposed to follow them back to the source, mm-hmm. and to give thanks to God. And so long as we do that, we're okay. But the enemy wants us, the real enemy wants us to just focus on the things themselves and not to learn to follow them back, trace them back uh, to get to God. Yeah, I think that's definitely probably the, I would say the number one thing that happens <clears throat> during Christmas for for people in general, but then for people who are Christ followers, like they let the hustle and bustle of all the Christmas spirit, if you will, right? Yeah. It's the Christmas spirit instead of the spirit of God, you know, that's leading them mm-hmm. to worship and uh, focus their attention and their money on those things instead of focusing all their attention on Christ. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely, that's a, that's a good one there. And then I have, um, I wrote these out. Maybe I'll put a couple of these on, on our website, but... You should put all of them. I, I wrote it out, and um, I have um, screw tape saying, oh, I hate that uh, light beam and light <laughs> illustration that, that stupid C.S. Lewis gave. Uh, I much prefer the analogy of the bait and hook, he says, whereas you present the bait to the humans, and but you hide the hook within the bait. And once they're latched on to the bait, the thing itself, then we can hook them and pull them down to hell hell and um, eat them at our dinner table. Yeah, you know what might be thing. good if you could write this like a a dialogue of a back and forth, then we could each play a part and we could dialogue back and forth. In my heart of hearts, that's what I wanted to do. Really? Yeah, that's what I that's what I had planned on doing, but you know, where do you have time to do that? I wanted to write this into a play where we go back and forth. Oh man. And, but I didn't know who would play screw tape, who would play I can play the junior demon. I'm cool yeah. with that. I can I'm kinda you know Actually after this book, this is true, C. S. Lewis, um he knew that the, writing this book for him was really hard. It was draining because to get in that devilish mindset, it like messed him up for a while. And he said that he always wanted to write the opposite one, one from the point of view of the guardian angel. Mm. But he said he didn't have that much goodness in himself. Oh, he wow. couldn't figure out what to say hmm. to be real about it. But he, d- wow. he said it was very easy to identify with evil and to write from that perspective. Mm. But he couldn't do it from the good perspective. And he thought... He says, I'm not a good enough man, too. I don't wow. know if anyone is. Wow. That's crazy, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yep. So here, here's another one. This one, uh, 
materialism. So prescribe more materialism to the patient to help him find comfort in this life. This has, made, uh, this has been made possible through our attack on God and femininity, leaving the patient unable to find true comfort within. Mm. All right, so let me break this down. It's a deep one here. Boy. Let me break this down. So this whole idea of materialism, right? Now, there's this idea in our society among, like, probably among everybody, but right now, like, a lot of millennials and a lot of people are kind of decrying it and saying, oh, we hate capitalism, right? Because capitalism is so materialistic. And so therefore, they say down with the patriarchy, which mm-hmm. patriarchy, that's, that's males, right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about toxic max- masculinity, and they equate capitalism and the evils of capitalism to the patriarchy and to masculinity, and it's all evil and down with it all because it's so materialistic. But that is hilarious, and that's falling into the devil's trap, I believe, because the very word materialism doesn't uh, deal with masculinity, but femininity. Hmm. Just think about the word, and this is part of the joke that screw tape in my letters, Christmas letters, is saying, basically, I'm so glad we got Latin kicked out of schools, you know, all those years ago, because now nobody realizes that the word materialism comes from mater, which means mother. Mm, okay. And so materialism has all to do with femininity and, and over-mothering. Okay. Because what, what, what materialism does is offer you comforts, right? Yeah. Just like you picture a mom holding her baby, mm-hmm, yep. comforting him, and, and that, that's, it, it, it's positive, right? Yeah. But when you take anything, whether it's masculinity or femininity, to an extreme, it becomes, it becomes toxic in mm-hmm. either direction. And since we have like, basically kicked God out of our lives... And who's there to comfort us? Yeah, we don't yeah. find our comfort in God anymore, and so it's like we're grabbing on to all these materialistic things to try to to try to comfort us. To try to wow. we're it's mater motherism. <laughs> That's crazy. It's, it's man. what it is. That is and, crazy. And all the while we're saying to females, we're saying to we're saying, oh no, to be to have true feminine power is to be more like men, and so therefore. Now, I'm, I'm not saying for a second that, uh, about rights or any of this, but I'm saying to the extreme, and we're saying, women, in order to have power, you need to be like men, so, you need, so your move, in your movies, have them beating up bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. Very masculine thing. Your supreme goal in life should be to run a boardroom. Very masculine things. And we, so we've kind of, we, we see both males and females in terms of power as having the same kind of power. And we've totally forgotten about what feminine power is. We don't know what that is. And so what is feminine power? Feminine power is to the ability to create something out of nothing. Mm. I mean, that's pretty powerful, right? Yeah. To create something out of nothing. Feminine power is to be able to uh, give comfort and rest and renewal, renewal. That's powerful. That's what true feminine power is. And since nobody, since we've, we've uh, kind of cut ourselves off from that, and we don't have God, we don't have a true sense of feminine power, then we, we rely on materialism and all these things wow. that we buy to comfort us. Yeah, yeah. And also part of the point that we need to know is both men and women have masculine power in them and feminine power in them. So I, as a guy, should have feminine power within me, and it's how I develop the ability to soothe myself without relying on crutches, right? Yeah. I mean, we should have that. Um, so, wow, you know, I I think that first part of you breaking down the Latin for the word material is crazy, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it makes so much sense why material things comfort people so much because, like you said, it's they try nurturing to. Yeah. that they're lacking, yeah. yep. right? And they're replacing mm-hmm. what God intended with things of this world. Yeah. And so, like you said, the, the screw tape is saying, hey, man, let's, let's, let's inundate them. Yeah. With materialistic yeah. things to to teach them that their nurturing is coming from this, from outside, but it's, it's never going to fill a void yep. that's in them that God intended yep. to fulfill in a different way. Yep. And and then we come up with a thing called Black Friday. Yep. Right. So it can just yep. feed into materialism, right? Yep. With sales and and buy one get one free yeah. and all these these different things that exist, yeah. man, to to take us farther and yep. farther away from truth. Comfort yourself. Yeah, comfort a per, yourself. A commercial that I thought of. A per, have you seen the GM? I think it's GMC commercial. You have a, a couple out in the snow walking in the woods or the hills, 
and the wife says, oh, honey, I got something for you. And she whistles. And uh, no, he, he says to her, I got something for you. And he whistles. And this puppy comes. And she like plays with him. And it, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's comfort, right? And then she says, I got something for you too. And she whistles. And a big truck comes over the hill. Wow. And you see him at the end, like draped over it, hugging it. Mm-hmm. He's hugging <laughs> a freaking truck. I would have done it You too. know what I'm saying? I know we all would have. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, that's like this sick, twisted version yeah, yeah. of comfort that... The, the devil wants us to, the, to like basically go to hell doing, go to hell hugging your truck yeah, yeah, yeah. is what they're yeah. saying. Wow. Like, don't, don't seek God for comfort. Don't even seek your own inner ability to comfort yourself, yeah. but rely on these uh, And we just like to say that things. we in no way like are talking bad about General Motors Corporation. I'm a GM guy, by the way, so I don't take offense. Don't you take offense. And they are not sponsoring this and either. they are not sponsoring this. But if, if they, they were, would like we to sponsor it. Yep. <laughs> That's right. We do need to get vehicles to drive to come do this podcast. So <laughs> That's right. They want to donate some vehicles. Yeah, if they want to donate. All right. So third one that I have here, uh, kind of while we're talking about uh, masculinity and femininity, mm. let's attack our patient at the level of marriage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. This is kind of a fun one. Uh, uh, his his goal is to um, get a husband and wife to basically be at each other's throats. So provoke quarreling among him and his wife by manipulating their duties so they grow to resent what they like doing in the first place. Mm-hmm. All right? So um, so interactions during Christmas really start to heat up for various, um, for various reasons. And what the wife starts to do is make these these lists of, him, of things for him to do. Do you know about this? <laughs> do you know about this phenomenon? And they call them honey-do lists or to-do lists or whatever. And she's making a list. And, and kind of the, what the devil is saying is make him resentful over those lists. Mm. Make him look at those lists and say, how dare you, you know, boss me around? How dare you tell me what to do? How dare you? And then they grow resentful at each other. And it becomes this, becomes this big thing where, yeah. where if you... where if you really um, understand what's happening, like women are kind of made to make lists. (laughs) Like that's, that's kind of, that's what they do. Right. They identify problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And men, what we're kind of made to do by God is to attack problems and to solve problems and to check things off and to do things. So we naturally really like to do those things. Um, So it's really devious when the devil comes along and uh, kind of twists and perverts what we already like doing in the first place. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because just the other day, my wife and I were talking and and she was like, "I'm make a list," and I'm like, "Man, like you make a list." She's like, "You told me to make you a list," and I'm like, "Yeah, I did." And I was like, well, "I'm gonna make you a list," and she's like, "I ain't asked you to make me a list," and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's one sided like that." Huh? It she is. She just started grinning. I'm like, it, "All right, all right." And and people out there may think this is. And maybe I am just whack, but but I mean, if you just think about the anatomy of it, you think of a target and an arrow, right? The female is the target, and the male presents the arrow and aims at the target, yeah. and that's true true throughout uh, for list so making. Ways. I mean, it's it's just it's just the way it is. What, yeah. what can I say? Um, yeah, that's a good one. So, man. husbands out there, take joy in. Doing the list. Doing the list, right. Because that's yeah. what you were made to do. And, and Be like, strong. I'm not going to say courage. I made the mistake of asking for a list, but maybe you should, if you didn't ask for one, like maybe don't ask for one. You know? I don't get them all the time. Yeah. But when I get them, I like it because I can't remember stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, I write it down for me. So she and you writes feel it. a and sense of like, accomplishment. It's more you know? than the things that we talked about. <laughs> It's like we talked about three things, and I get the list, and it's like 10 yeah. things. I'm like, hold on a minute. We ain't talk about this. We ain't talk about that. I'm like, golly, man, you killing me. <laughs> when I do things, I make my list afterwards. <laughs> it's mm. so dumb. Mm. I accomplish it and I write it down and check it off. <laughs> oh, that's, I've never heard of that one before. Uh, I'm upside down. So <laughs> number four, hide from your patient the truth that he is being consumed. So back to consumerism by getting him to believe that he is being generous. Mm. So you'll do well, uh, uh, Wormwood to give him the sense that he is thoughtful and frugal and a generous consumer, but conceal from him any notion that he is the one being consumed. He is the one being consumed by the devouring mother of materialism mm. who coddles him so that he never learns to stand up on his own two feet against the storms of life. I'm being convicted right now because I'm going Christmas shopping as soon as I leave <laughs> here today. So 
I'm feeling like, man, I ain't getting nobody no gifts. Like, forget that I'm just going to send them a card and say, man, I'm praying for you. <laughs> but see, that's this is all part of the, how sneaky the devil is, <laughs> yeah. too, because we can ha- we can en- find enjoyment in the gifts. We can, so long as, like we said at the beginning, we follow them back to their source and give yeah. thanks to God. So that means I need to get gifts that point to Jesus. Then, like, I need to buy <laughs> mangers and ornaments with baby Jesus and no. stuff like that. <laughs> okay. No. Okay, number five. Keep your patient in the peak and don't let him go to the trough. Okay, this is borrowing letter, uh, language from the screw tape letters. Mm-hmm. Peaks and troughs, I guess, in, in British, uh, it's like highs and lows here. Oh, okay. So um, you would think that the devil would say, um, keep, keep us in a low during the Christmas season. But sometimes what he really wants, what, what he really does is keeps us in our highs, right? Keeps us in the peaks. Uh, where we where everything's going well and we think we have everything yeah. under control, um, the real danger the devil says is when the human is in the trough when he's low, because then they the person has a choice: mm-hmm. do I really believe in this or not? And he says the, and he says the very worst position of all to be in is for your patient to be in is to be in a low, and decide to believe and have joy and hope anyways. Yeah, like that's the yep. very worst position against the against uh, the devil. Because that demonstrates true virtue in his will. Uh, that person will be the sweet aroma of life to God, but a bitter taste to us. There's mm. nothing so bitter as a taste of hope <laughs> to the it, enemy. Man. Yeah, there's nothing so bitter as a taste of hope. Yeah. Mm. So number six, make sure your patient believes Christmas is easy and that it is a feeling rather than a difficult duty. I like this one because... You know, we're in our uh, just doing our Christmas routines and things and tasks. And we think and we watch movies or hear things. And we think, oh, Christmas should just be so easy. I should just be able to buy something and make it go well. You know, I should just be able to purchase Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so throw some lights up, throw some lights up a tree. Yeah, it's just simple, right? Put some eggnog on, mm. <laughs> whatever. Should be easy. Why are these all all these other extra kind of curricular uh, things happening, bullets flying, uh, mm. problems, crises happening. Um, Christmas is a struggle. I mean, it is. It's hard. It can be hard. So, um, and hard things are are the best things. No, no good thing is not difficult. I I would say, right? Anything worthwhile and good will always be mm-hmm. difficult. That's right. So number uh, seven, uh, nourish in him the strange idea. That Christmas is mainly to be enjoyed by children and dimwits. Mm. Blind as eyes from all those saints of old who made joy their serious business. Mm. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like I've been like shopping or in, in, or at church or wherever and you see kids and they're so excited about Christmas. And I think, oh, they're just happy and excited because they're kids. Mm-hmm. Or that person is just happy because he's an idiot. <laughs> Right. I've never, I never thought about the second part. I have, I have. It's like that's like the that's like the enemy tempting me and thinking that I can't ha- be happy and have childlike joyful faith as well. You know, the serious business of joy is yeah. for serious Christians. Yeah, no, nah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree with that. So, uh, next one, um, number uh, eight. Hide the way that God validates the human body by becoming one himself. So you can continue to get them to think the body is evil and uh, and become real dualists. All right. So God became a person to save our bodies. Yeah. That's that's our doctrine. He was fully human. Uh, and that that validates our experience in our bodies as humans. Uh, I think in a lot of uh, churches and a lot of circles that we say, well, no, the body's evil. Like sex is bad. Drink is bad. Food is bad. Mm-hmm. All these things are evil, right? Getting the presence is bad. It's like, no, they're not bad. God, God made them. He made mm-hmm. physical things. He made you physical. Those are good things, good gifts from God. And, um, and by becoming a per by becoming a human at Christmas, he validates that humanity. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times when it comes to the body, there's the sinful urges that one may have, mm-hmm. and they attribute that to, like, the urges being bad. Mm-hmm. 
but it's not the urge. Just that's a desire that's naturally in us. It's just how that plays out mm-hmm. in our life that makes mm-hmm. it become bad. So yeah, <clears throat> I can see you know during Christmas when there's all this like supposed holiday cheer, people can get really lackadaisical when it comes to like withholding themselves from sinful behaviors. You know, so it's like it's Christmas time. Mm. So what if I do a little bit of this? Yeah, if I yeah. do a little bit of that, like. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, once New Year's starts, mm-hmm. right, like I'll have these resolutions and then I'll go back mm-hmm. to life as it was before. But until then, it's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Let's kick it. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's interesting in the in C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, uh, the, the devil says that God's the one who has made all the pleasures. And and they basically say, up until now, we devils have n- never been able to manage to make one single pleasure. Mm. We can't make any pleasures. We can only distort and pervert them. Yeah, yeah. So he says, even in like uh, a sexual sin, he says, our whole business as devils is just to to get them up to that point. Yeah. But once it happens. <laughs> God's the one who gives that pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? They present the opportunity, but yeah. it's the, the, the driving force behind yeah. it. They have nothing to do with it. And the hook maybe that's hidden within it mm-hmm. uh, as well. So uh, number nine, uh, your patient must not make the connection between what the enemy did to humiliate himself at Christmas and what his followers are supposed to do in response. Mm, so I like this one. What did the enemy do? What did God do to humiliate himself at Christmas? It's a doctrine of humiliation. You can look that up where mm-hmm. God Almighty uh, humbled himself, Philippians chapter 2, mm-hmm. and to the point of being a human, mm-hmm. becoming a servant, and then to dying on a cross. That's a doctrine of humiliation. And, and Paul in Philippians says, therefore, do that... Uh, um, with each other, right? Humble yourselves and serve mm-hmm. one another like Christ uh, serve you. So the devil wants us to, to not see that, not, not see that part of the story. Uh, and I have a line here that says, nor must they become vulnerable in this world like he did in becoming a zygote. <laughs> That's a line that I got from a sermon from, uh, who was that? Guy in our church. Um, can't mm. remember. <laughs> Can't, oh, Scott Lotherley. Oh, Scott Lotherley. Yeah, said that God became vulnerable by coming as I go. I mean, that's mm. risky. Yeah. You know? So, um, number 10, keep your patient from believing the baby in the manger is his master and rightful king, like the ox and donkey realize, Isaiah 1, chapter 3. So in Isaiah 1, 3, there's this prophecy about the ox and the donkey coming to the manger and looking and knowing that that's their master while Israel doesn't know the one who made them mm-hmm. is what it says. And I, I actually saw this, I think it was a painting, like a, an ancient painting uh, on us on a coffin, on a sarcophagus where it has the manger in the middle with the baby and it has the ox and the donkey there looking at mm-hmm. it. Okay. And I, I can still see that in my head. And it's like, they recognize their master, the one who made them and who, who owns them. Right. But at yeah. Christmas time, when we look at the baby in the manger, do we think, oh, that's just cute little baby, nice and cuddly? Or do we realize he's, that's my master? Yeah, without a doubt. He I owns mean, I, me. I knew nothing about that baby, you know, in a manger prior to me hearing the gospel. So, you know, there's a lot of people who don't even know anything that this baby represents, you know. They don't even, all they're thinking about is a Christmas tree and some Christmas presents. I mean, you saw the baby in the manger, like depicted, right, before mm. you became a Christian. Mm. I think maybe I did, but I, I can't recall it, for sure yeah. if I did or not. Didn't think anything of it. No, didn't think any of, anything of it at all, if I saw it. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So number 11, convince your patient that Christmas is the only is only the season of giving rather than the season of becoming. Mm. All right? It's quite all right if he sees Jesus as just a good example, like someone who gives a lot. So long as he doesn't see him as the start of a new age. Um, and then the devil says, now we're talking about metaphysics, a subject those butter brains know nothing about. We're going to get into some metaphysics uh, here in a second. But um, with this one, it's about like God became mm-hmm. human. And, and Athanasius says God became human so we can become gods, basically. 
Uh, and that's through the doctrine of like our union with Christ when we trust in him. Um, in a sense, we're glorified and, and we in some form take on some form of divinity like his. And so Christmas is the start of that, our becoming, our, our upward journey. Just like he had a downward descent, we are slowly having an upward ascent as we're changing from uh, one degree of glory to another. Yeah, I like this one because, again, you know, at Christmas time, people only think so much about the Yuletide, the whatever that is, and, and uh, mistletoe and Christmas movies and cutting Christmas trees down. Like you said earlier, all that stuff is, is good. It's not bad stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not about what this season, at least from God's standpoint, is about. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what the devil is doing once again is creating all these things that take us farther away from becoming who God wants mm-hmm. us to become versus just like be joyous and be generous yeah. and give and also receive. Yeah. Yeah. We're so focused on if we're giving the right thing, but are we becoming the right kind of people? So now we're going to get into uh, uh, the incarnation and the, the metaphysics behind that. And number 12 is maintain the fog over the brains of the whole church so that they persist and downplaying Christmas for the sake of Easter. Mm. I'm a contrarian, all right? Mm. So um, I, I've I've heard this quite a bit where in some evangelical churches, they'll say that the whole, that Easter is more important than Christmas, mm. and they pit them against each other. And I don't like that. I, don't I think they're both very important. You can't have, like, like, you can't have a resurrection without the birth. Yeah, was gonna die and come back to life if yeah. something wasn't yeah. born. And this first. is and this is where metaphysics is like beings, right? The study of uh, of beings and um, in our materialistic world, like we have no idea that there's. We just th- think think that what we can um, sense with our uh, five senses is all there is. What we can taste, touch, feel, hear, smell is all there is. But there's another reality out there. There's a spiritual reality out there. And that's what metaphysics has to deal with. And so when we, when we look at Christmas and the incarnation, God, who is in a, a being of God, takes on a human nature, a human being. We have human natures. And when by him um, coming into our stream, I picture like we're like standing in a river and then down river, God comes and stands in the same river as us. And so he became one of us. And therefore, when he dies on the cross, he represents all of us and can die for us because he's God, but he's also uh, humans. If he never really fully became human, then when he died on the cross, he couldn't have represented you and me. Mm -hmm. His death wouldn't have... He would have been just another random dude dying on a cross and wouldn't have saved anybody. So Christmas is vital to that. You need both of them. Yeah. But there are churches and pastors out there who say, no, it's just, it's all about Easter. So let's downplay play Christmas. Yeah. Let's not celebrate or give gifts, you know, all these things, because Easter is the real thing. It's like, mm. no, they're both. They're both important. So number, uh, we'll do a, let's do a couple more of these. All right. And uh, so number 13, um, cause him not to take seriously that God became one of them, a squirming little maggot. Hmm. So don't take that seriously. It's kind of overflow from the last one. But yeah. if the enemy did not become one of them, then his death means nothing for them. Yeah, he died for himself, and his pitiful creation is doomed. So that's more of the last one. So number 14, getting in more to like human kind of relations now. Um, surround him with people and make him feel completely alone. I don't know if you've ever felt that before during holidays, um, but you're surrounded like you're at an office party or family party or wherever, and you're surrounded by people, but you feel com- completely alone. I think that's the work of the enemy uh, to do that because because you're not alone. Yeah. Well, that's weird because it says surrounded with people and make them feel alone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you need people around you to feel alone? Um, I don't know. That's kind of weird when I think about it because hmm. if I'm sitting in a room by myself, technically I'm alone. You don't feel but alone. But do I feel alone? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when I'm around a bunch of people and I'm not engaging them or they're not engaging me, is that the only way I could feel alone when there's the potential yeah, yeah, yeah. 
to be engaged yeah. and I'm not. That's pretty and, and I devilish. Think, yep. Yeah, and I think it I think it is. Yeah. I think when there's no potential to be engaged, yeah, yeah. there's no such thing as alone. Yeah. You know, in terms of like yeah. an opportunity to engage. Yeah. So that's like a mind bend or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only time you where you really feel uh alone and kind of self pity in that is when you're with people and there's a potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so devious. Check yourself on that. All right, let's do let's do one more. Number fifteen. Put everyone in a room together, but keep them all on their phones. Phones are something that drive me crazy, especially in these hol- holiday uh, family or friend gathering where you see everyone together, but everyone's on the phone. I know, man. Uh, I people watch. You know, if you go like to if you're at a restaurant, yeah. you sit and look at a table with a family. It's yeah, like everybody on their phone. You know, yeah. or like if people sit in a car and like you pass by and it's like the parents and like kids and people yeah. in the back, hopefully the driver isn't on their phone, <laughs> yeah. but you look and everybody else in yeah. there is on their phone. Especially at restaurants, like you have a father out with his daughter or father and son and like the dad's on the phone. Oh, I, I like you're there. This is your opportunity. They grew up so fast. They're gone. Yeah. And what do you, what message are you communicating? Well, I kind of let that stuff like go because it, it always isn't what it seems to be. Yeah, I, that's you know the dad could be looking up the baseball schedule. That's true. To tell the son that's when the true. game, you know what I mean. So it's yeah. like we don't know the context of what's really going yeah. on. So to be overly judgmental, yeah. but the point is valid. Like yeah. there's obviously times when there are people together as family or friends, mm-hmm. and they're more engaged on their phone instead of engaged yeah. one another. That's not good. That that could be the devil um, influencing me to judge people. <laughs> sure. I mean, he's going to take everything he yeah. can to try to get us like way in left field somewhere. Yeah, but the message that that the devil is sending is, is basically that um, they'd that they'd rather be with other people. Yeah. And when you're on your phone, when you're right with people that are there in the flesh. And that's the other part of they're in the flesh, just like Jesus came in the flesh. Mm-hmm. There's other people in the and it's hard to interact with people who are in the flesh. It's hard, you know, when you can see them, touch them, hear them, taste them, smell them. It's hard. But it's much easier to interact with a screen cuz you can control that. But take the risk just like God took the risk of Interacting with us in the flesh, yeah, and, amen. Um, interact with those right around you. We sacrifice to come down here in the flesh. Like we can sacrifice nothing hardly to just engage yeah. a person and not yeah. pick up our phone because yeah. that phone ain't going nowhere, and what you looking up ain't going nowhere. Yep. And that person that texts you or Instagrams you or Facebooks you, they ain't going nowhere, yeah. man. They gonna be there. Yep. Yep. All right. Before we go on, we'll uh, we'll be right back. back we're at uh let's see we're at number uh 16 we're just going to keep rolling with this make this a uh, a little bit longer episode so to keep all this devil devilish stuff together so number uh yeah 16 convince your patient that he'd be better off in a different family wow that's crazy yeah i don't even know if i need to comment on that yeah i mean definitely you know, I'm I'm certain that there's people that's thought that over the years for various reasons, mm-hmm. and I'm not just talking about children, mm-hmm. but even adults. You know, because mm-hmm. like as we talked about in a prior episode about how dysfunctional a family can be, and holidays, you mm-hmm. know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Christmas can be very difficult because of broken relationships that people have, and so I think definitely the devil wants to use this to get in our heads and just kind of speak those lies to us like man why couldn't you be born a family like so and so why can't you be like the neighbors or look how much they're having fun and and look how much fun you don't have mm-hmm. you know and it's just like woe is me and it just keeps getting mm-hmm. deeper and deeper and deeper and so yeah i mean definitely you know having us think the devil having us think that we should have been in a different family mm-hmm. um is is key for them but the reality is god had us born into the family that we were born in that's with right. a purpose that's right. There was purpose for that. Now, 
can I tell you what the purpose is? No, I can't because I'm mm-hmm. not God. Mm-hmm. But I believe that there's purpose in it and there's purpose in why what is happening is happening. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to get together with God and try to figure mm-hmm. that thing out. Yeah. And replace your wishing, you know, your wish, wishful thinking with duty. Mm. Do something about yeah, it. Do something. You know, like if you that. wish, if you wish to to be like that, uh, your neighbor or that other family who does this certain tradition, well, then start it. Yeah. Yeah. Do it yourself. It may not be the whole shebang, but you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of the lie. We we think that if we can't have the whole shebang all at once, that it's not worth it. Like. But that's 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 a lie. Yep, yep. That's a lie. So number 17, allow your patient to think. He, quote, must bring up some current event or political policy. So the devils think that we live in this wonderful age because it's so easy for, for them to, like, drop a match and light the blaze because there's, there's so many controversial issues out there right now in our world that can be exploited for for evil gains. So and so no matter how much our patients say that they won't bring up a certain issue, convince them that they they must just say it just once and then they'll be done. Uh, but the explosion will have already happened and they'll be at each other's throats about things like sexuality or abortion or mm, Trump yeah. or transhumanism, <laughs> all these things and then they'll forget about Christmas altogether. Or even worse, they'll have to fake it the rest of their time together, yeah. right? That's definitely going on. Yep. So, um, so beware of that in your Christmas, Christmas gatherings. The devil will be tempting you. Number eighteen. Uh, don't let your patient understand why they do Christmas traditions, and let him make up new ones. I wish I had more. I wish I, I wish I put more thought into this one and did a little more research, anyways. Because uh, we do plenty of Christmas traditions that have like ma- amazing symbolism and history behind them, and uh, we don't even realize it. And we just think we need to make up new traditions and and so forth. Like last night, we were doing an Advent calendar at the dinner table, and oh, I forget the name of the Christmas Carol, mm. but we were talking about this Christmas Carol and this this one particular Christmas Carol. Um, because the danger is like to take the Christmas carols and to redo the music or redo the lyrics, write mm-hmm. new ones and that. But what was pointed out in this particular song was like a lot of people thought that Charles Wesley wrote it like in the 19th century. But in fact, it pointed out that each of the different stanzas were written in a different century. Mm. And one of the stanzas went all the way back to the year 325 at the Council of Nicaea, the, the, wow. the first church council. And and the people of that contributed one of the verses to this song. And that just blew our minds because mm. we're like, this Christmas <clears throat> carol um, has kind of absorbed and grabbed people throughout uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. And we participate in this greater thing. Mm-hmm. It's just so powerful um, to me. Uh, Christmas traditions have a lot of power and symbolism that um, that's important. And just to get rid of them. Uh, we'll uh, be, we'll be definitely be missing out on joining in on that greater thing. Uh, let's see, number number nineteen. Number nineteen. Play Christmas music as early as possible, <laughs> <laughs> so your patient will come to despise it. Yeah, there's definitely a, a culture yeah. that exists that, like they say, as soon as soon as summer ends, officially, that's when Christmas begins. I gotta. I, there's a pastor we each know who name remain nameless who said that if it was up to his wife, um, at the end of April, she put up a Christmas tree. I'm yeah. like, man, the end of wow. April? Like, golly, that's just like the first quarter of the year. You know, and so, and with people being so loving about the Christmas time and so cheery and jolly, like it has the adverse effect on other people. So it's kind of like you either got it or you don't, you know. And so uh, I, I just think that's so funny mm-hmm. how people just make remarks about why are you playing Christmas music so early or the debate over do you get a Christmas tree before Thanksgiving <laughs> or after Thanksgiving and, you know, people posting all this yeah. stuff on social media, which really like I, my response wants to be like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like I could care less when you put your tree up, like you feel like you got to tell the world, but mm-hmm. that's a whole nother topic. 
And the um, devil wants us to judge and hate other people, whatever yeah, they do. Yeah, yep, yep. Again, the, the whole yep. reason of Christmas, he wants yep. to take any and yep. every little thing he can and to turn us against it. Yep. And turn us away from being the people God wants us to be. Yep. I looked up that uh, song from the devotional. It was, Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, okay. That's okay. a one. All right, number 20. Get your patient to connect his worth with the value of the presence either given or received. Mm. So, um, you know, even, yeah, as adults, as kids, like we connect our value of who we are with the value of the presence given or received. Like when I'm giving yeah. presents to my kids, if I can't afford something nicer, I think I'm just a, a loser, a loser, a lousy, <laughs> a loser dad. you know, my kids' friends got these great things and. And I got my kids socks. <laughs> yeah, and and it goes you know it goes both ways. The kids, if if they don't get a gift that they want, or their friends yeah. get some super duper gift, yeah. and they feel like they're a loser. Yeah, you know, or they feel like their parents their par- are a loser. <laughs> their parents love my them parents more. Suck yeah, because they didn't get me that cool like yeah. hoverboard or whatever. Yeah. And my friend's parents are way better, and I'd be better off in a different family. You know, it all works together. Yeah, man, it's like downhill fast. Yep, yep. So beware of that. Number twenty one. Convince your patient Charles Dickens's Christmas Carol is just a work of fiction and ghosts do not exist. Mm. Especially get him to downplay the conversion of Scrooge at the end as just an extreme case that that no one could ever achieve. So Christmas Carol, such a powerful, it's a powerful book, powerful play if you if you see the play too. And I think we look at that and we think, oh, ghosts, you know, they don't exist. That, that's exactly what the devil wants us wants to convince us. He wants us to miss the point. Yeah, he wants us, uh, yeah, to miss the point altogether. And like I, I call it a conversion at the end. I mean, what else do you call that when Scrooge wakes up and he's full of joy mm-hmm. and giving his whole attitude? He's repented, right? Yeah. And that's what Christian conversion looks like. I'm sure when you became a Christian in prison, in jail, that was that's probably what you looked like uh, the next day or for a while. Um, we can't downplay that because that can happen to anyone. It can happen to you. Yeah, I mean, even even um, at times of Christmas when we should be joyous because of Christ, we still can be very, um, I guess, judgmental towards Scrooges that are in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's that boss or that coworker or that neighbor or that family member we have that's like always full of like, you know, hate or something mean to say, mm-hmm. you know, and instead of us having the attitude of, hey, you know, this person could come to know Christ. Instead, we stay, we ostracize them or, mm-hmm. you know, we begrudgingly give them the Christmas gift or if there's a Christmas exchange, it's like when we get their gift, it's like, oh, man, we don't want to give mm-hmm. them crap. You know, when we should get them the greatest gift. Mm-hmm. You know, we should show them the most mm-hmm. love. So it's like that just, you know, the devil gives us these ideas of how to treat them like the way they treat mm-hmm. us instead of treating them the way Christ treated us. Yeah. The way he treated us yeah. was God came down to earth in the form of a man and humiliated himself and died on the cross for us so that we can have new life. Mm-hmm. That's how much he loved us. How much are we love in this screws that we have in our life. Mm-hmm. The world says treat them like a screw. Mm-hmm. And when you have those realizations like that, those powerful realizations, that's like... It's like a ghost visiting you and reminding you, you know, <laughs> just like they visited Scrooge and reminded him of the truth, Ooh, you know. I think there's a ghost in this thing. Did you hear, did you hear that? There are the ghosts are in the Bible. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah. joking. I'm just and that's playing. that's part of like this our material. We think only material things are real. It's, it's they're not. God can come visit us and remind us of these truths and help us to become and convict us of our sins. <coughs> so. uh Number 22, while you're at it, cause your patient to think Santa is just a legend, a fiction for children and not the truest spirit of Christmas, which can lift his spirits as well. Like, I'm just thinking about Santa as a, as a symbol, as, a, as this reality of someone who gives gifts unconditionally. That kind of reminds me of Jesus, right? And we say, no, Santa's like more... Some people say, no, Santa, Santa introduces our kids to legalism because if you're naughty, he gives you coal, and if he's nice, he gives you presents. But it's like, that's not really how he works. In one sense, that's the way life works. Like, if you're bad, you get punished. There's consequences. But really, 
you're bad all year and Santa still gives you gifts. He still gives you grace. And I think that, uh, that that's the way Jesus works. Like he looks, he gives us forgiveness and he gives us grace uh, despite our sin. So are you saying Santa is a type of Christ? Yeah. Wow. I never heard of him before. I don't know. I don't, I'm out to yeah. lunch on that one. Yeah. I'm out to lunch on that Remember, one. Oh, Come All You Faithful, that song that uh, the year 325 introduced uh, a stanza to at the Council of Nicaea. At the Council of Nicaea, little uh, there, little history here, there was a guy there named Arius, A-R-I-U-S, and old Arius denied the humanity of Jesus. He just thought that, no, that's not really God who became a real human. And there was another guy at that council who said, you got a lot of nerve, buddy, and he punched him in the nose <laughs> at a church council. You know the name of that guy who punched him in the nose? Chris Kringle. St. Nicholas. Oh, okay. I was These, close. You were I close. Was close. <laughs> because that's St. Nicholas was around 325, and he said, no, uh, Jesus was full of God and full human. Mm. And don't mess with me about that. Wow. You know, that's a... Old Santa Claus that's throwing a, jabs. Yeah. That's a true Santa Claus, the true meaning of Christmas. Mm. Uh, all right. Number 23. Ooh, this one's relevant to, to this year. Mm-hmm. Convince your patient he can skip church this year because Christmas falls on a Sunday. Even better, convince his church to cancel Sunday services in the name of quote-unquote family. Yeah, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of churches that are going to cancel this year because, of, because church is on Sunday, it's on Christmas, and they'll make the excuse. And, um, well, no churches, they like pre-record a Christmas service. And then okay. they'll have so the church will be closed, but they'll have a special service online that people can watch. Interesting. Start broadcasting at a certain time. Yeah, I know churches. That yeah, yeah. So that's another. That's <clears throat> so it's another not canceling way. church completely, but yeah, I mean. But there's not the embodiment. You know? Yeah, I mean, I like the fact of yeah. being able to go in person. Yeah. I think that's good. But, yeah. You know, I'm not gonna be the judger of of people and what they do. I'm gonna let God do that. Yeah. I'm gonna go to a church that's open on Sundays. Yeah. And I'm gonna go to church. Our church did something cool. They um offered three services on Saturday mm-hmm. along with one on Sunday morning. So, you know, they kinda gave the option for mm-hmm. people, but they still have one on Sunday morning. I thought that was a good idea. Number well, is that is that teaching people that they don't have to go on Sunday because we're making all these extra services. I wonder. Well, I think it's probably because of overflow, because this is the most yeah. Christmas and Easter, the two biggest times. Yeah. People I mean, come you to could offer go to church, three so. or four services on a Sunday. Yeah, but then that's like you want to have respect for people's family. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's bad to have Christmas with your family on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So you have church, but then have time for family too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yep. I get it that you need to have extra services. Yep. yep. Number twenty-four. Make your patient think he has to have a perfect Christmas and cause him to fail to see the messiness of the first one. Yeah, more of what we were talking about, that uh, we think we have to have the perfect Christmas. And if we just pause and think about the first Christmas, meaning when Jesus was born mm-hmm. in a manger to very young parents with no means or mm-hmm. no hospitals, or it's the messiness of that is mind-boggling yeah. to and, us. And when did Herod send his decree? Oh, yeah, that was pretty was soon. Was it the same day? I mean, it had to be around that time, right? Yeah, I know, to, murder, to kill all the two-year-olds, yeah. but still. I mean, that's pretty messy. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you ha- you're being hunted. <sighs> wow. Number 25, attack your... So your so your Christmas doesn't need if if your Christmas is better than that then that's a good thing that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying and like we said last episode about um, the dysfunctional Christmas uh, just make sure your Christmas is not quite as awful as last year mm, there you that's go. your goal all right so number twenty five um, this gets into despair so attack your patient's beliefs and belonging and give him a sense that he's a burden so he despairs of life. So mm. there's there's a lot of suicides over Christmas time, and mm. the devil will attack these three areas in particular. And I remember mm. them because of the, the letter B. So your beliefs he'll attack, your sense of belonging he'll attack, and your sense that you're a burden or your purpose. Mm. And when you're attacked on all those three levels, you just better be careful and get yourself mm. in a better place. Uh, talk to someone about it. And when you um, when you feel like that you're um, 
you're a burden on everyone in the sense Yo, you're useless. that yeah you're useless yeah, so why do i even you're exist? weighing everyone down they'd yeah. be better off without me yep mm. yeah um so so watch out and that's what that's what the enemy goes after and if there's people in your life and they're expressing these kinds of things to you don't brush it off yeah i would even Take say that be serious. looking for it you know Ooh, be looking yeah, for yeah. that person yeah, that's yeah. like hanging by itself or that's the quote unquote yeah. loner. Yep. You know, and people probably know learn loners around this time yeah. of year. And yeah. this may be the worst season for a loner. You know, so if you know somebody that you would categorize as a loner or a person that doesn't really talk about yeah. having family, doesn't have kids, like none yeah. of that kind of like maybe invite that person over. Like there's a guy at our yeah. church who's from another country and he's not going home. He's gonna be here. And I'm like, What are you doing for Christmas? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, Man, you come over our house. You're like, don't just be around on Christmas Day. You know, and he knows a lot of other people around here better than he knows me, but he said he didn't know what he was doing. So either he meant he's got a lot of options, he don't know mm-hmm. which one he's picking, or he doesn't have options. Yeah. You know, and if he don't have options, that's pretty sad to me. Mm-hmm. Like out of all the other church folk he knows better than me, mm-hmm. didn't nobody think to invite this dude that's in another country by himself mm-hmm. to come like spend time with them. Yeah. So I'm like, man, look, even if it's that day mm-hmm. and you sitting in your apartment or you driving around like mm-hmm. aimlessly. Like, dude, shoot mm-hmm. me a text or call me, man. Like, come on over. Yeah. If you're like the coach of a football game and you're looking at a certain, like the quarterback, and you and you notice what can go wrong with him, you have these categories, you'll, you know, preempt that, do something about it. Same thing. I love that. What you said that if we have these three things, these three Bs in our head, look for that, especially this time of year with those people. It's mm-hmm. a powerful gift to combat the enemy. Okay, we are on number 26. So assist your patient in hating the joys of others so it doesn't dawn on him that he can be happy over the good fortune of another. Bah, humbug. (laughs) That's what I think of when I see that. Have you ever, you know, seen people, good things are happening, whether it's Christmas or any Mm -hmm. other time of year, and you're jealous or envious? I've been been there before myself. And, And it's like, why doesn't it dawn on me that I can be happy for them? Yep. That I can celebrate that. Amen. And that'd be much better for me, much better for them, mm-hmm. much better for those around me. Yeah. I like, mean, that's something I had to wrestle with and pray to God and ask him mm-hmm. to like take away from me mm-hmm. because instead of me being happy, I'd be jealous or envious mm-hmm. or get mad because why don't I have that? Yeah. Like, I didn't do nothing not to yeah. have it, but why do I got it? Yeah. You know, and so God had to deal with me on that. And now like he freed me of that, but I, I can identify with mm-hmm. that. And Satan wants us to not see the other option of joy Mm -hmm. but joy is an option and uh joy is a joy is a choice as well well like they say misery loves company so yeah i'm miserable i want you to join me few more here to get the 31 run number 27 so if your patient is a good evangelical shame him when he finds enjoyment in the food drinks and presents this is another thing that i've seen uh in the, in church world too in evangelical churches that we yeah, we have a, a sense of shame and guilt over being happy or enjoying food and drink and presents and and we just think we have to be, oh, woe is me all the time. And it's just not true. It's not true. Christians should be uh, and can be very, very happy people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, uh, and the enemy wants to turn an opportunity for pleasure into this, ex- into this very negative uh, experience. So number 28. So... When your patient sees the happy person ringing the Salvation Army bell, and when he sees, when when he thinks about the unfortunate one to whom he gives, get him to dehumanize them to think he's better than them. So now the Salvation Army bell ringers, you know, you've seen them, right? And um, mm-hmm. Satan wants to attack us, and and as we, if we even give in the first place, right? Yeah. To get us to think, oh, how much better we are. Kind of like Luke 18 and the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm-hmm. I thank you, God, that I'm not like all these other people. And when we give, uh, that temptation is uh, lurk, lurking or right right, right behind that. 
uh, to think that we're better somehow and to uh, dehumanize that person as if we could never be uh, in need like that or in that same position. Yeah. So number 29, tell your patient it's just plain fine, even an exception to treat store employees and other blue-collar workers rudely during the holidays. Oh, mm-hmm. I've, been on, I've been on both ends of this, too. You know, we're in a hurry and um, going into stores trying to get things, whether the grocery store or whatever, and we're, we just are rude to we people. We want to be in and out. We run into people with our carts. We say, oh, how, <laughs> how can they be so slow? You know, I, I see that all the time. People and, still in your parking spot. I was in the park. This person pulled yeah. right in. I'm like, hold up, man. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and find me another spot. In the name of Christmas. In the name of trying to accomplish Christmas, right? Yeah, no. It's, 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 you, that's real. You know, you get people moving fast and they don't see people. Yeah, and the the point is not like <coughs> the destination and where we arrive. The point is kind of the cliche is, is the journey yep, of enjoying yep. the journey as we get there. Mm-hmm. Right? And to, to forfeit that is... To lose altogether. Number 30. Don't let your patient watch the old movies. (laughs) So keep him preoccupied with seeing the newest ones, especially if they have a woke message to it. Especially keep him from the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. But if he happens to stumble upon it, only let him see the first parts and judge its black and white picture and low quality graphics of the angels of heaven, and then foster the thought in his head of how fake these angels look. And so they must not be real. That's his conclusion. And so then whatever you do, keep him from the last scene and reading what Clarence, I think that was his name, that angel wrote in the little book to George when Clarence wrote, no man is a failure who has friends. Yeah. I love that line. Because um, George's, George's whole life was, George Bailey's whole life was falling apart and that. So he thought, and uh, he kind of got woke up through the through an angel to see that uh, if he have, has friends, people around him, no man is a failure, no matter how else he <clears> failed yep. in life. So I think yeah, that's I know great. that one, like, <clears throat> a lot of these old movies are unrelatable. Like, I was talking to somebody the other day about, why come they don't make any good westerns? And I was like, maybe because people can't relate to that type of living anymore, so mm-hmm. they could care less about seeing it. And that makes sense. Now, is that the reason why? I don't know. But if that is, that makes sense mm-hmm. to me. And it's like, I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. I can't relate to that movie. That's not how I grew up. And mm-hmm. there's very little I can relate to. Doesn't mean the message isn't good, yeah. but I'm not watching it. And that's yeah. not the de- I don't <laughs> think it's the devil that's keeping me from it. It's just that, you know, I don't want people to hear this and think, oh, man, if I don't watch that, I'm bad. Or Oh, no, not you saying know, that. Yeah. Yeah, like find like it has a good message to it i believe although i haven't watched it um i agree with that line you know nobody's a failure if he has Mm -hmm. friends because that's what the world is about relationships Mm -hmm. in my opinion but um watching old movies watching new movies to me the point is what is the message Mm -hmm. you know if the message takes you away from christ then that's what the devil wants if it's bringing you to christ then that's what god wants so Watch the ones who are taking you to Christ and not the ones away from. Yeah. And you don't have to get through the whole movie. Like I was watching the movie with somebody the other day, and it was supposed to be a Christian movie, and there was a non-Christian rapper in there. And he, or no, it wasn't a Christian movie. It was just a regular movie, and they had a rapper mm-hmm. in there playing the main role. And the girl he was talking to was a church girl, mm. and she was talking to him about Jesus. Okay, that's good. that's good. But then she talked to him about like, well, in order to be with me, you're going to have to be a Christian. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm. Well, what's that dude going to do? Mm. I'm trying to get some, so I'm yep. going to become whatever I got to become. <laughs> and so I said, man, I don't even want to watch this, yeah. man. I quit watching it because that's not the message of Christ to mm-hmm. say, hey, convert because of this reason that's mm-hmm. other than the fact that you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So so if you're watching a movie and it's an unchrist-like message, whether it's a Christian movie or not, like, like quit watching it. You know, don't give it no airplay. Don't give the devil any room in your head mm-hmm. to plant things that maybe you're not guarding yourself on, and now you have some cockamamie mm-hmm. belief in your head that's totally anti-Christ. Yeah, that's that's a better way of putting it. Number thirty-one. So the last one, and whatever you do, uh, whatever you do, dear Wormwood, don't get too giddy about how dark life is getting these days and how rampant evil is spreading unchecked in their world. You have forgotten that light shines brightest in the darkness. So 
Um, some sometimes we look around and see how dark everything is getting, and we think, mm-hmm. "Oh, devil's winning," and we're it's so hopeless. But keep in mind, everyone, that light does shine brightest in the darkness. Amen. And learn your Bible, yeah. you know, and you'll explain a lot of these things that's happening, mm-hmm. so you won't be like, "Oh my goodness, oh my God." And there's a Christmas tradition of putting lights on trees and a star mm-hmm. on the top, and part of the symbolism and the history behind that is is that wintertime, December, is the darkest time of the year when there's most darkness. And what, what what's happening is we're shining a light when when it's the <clears> very <throat> darkest time of year. Hey, man. That's a reminder of that. So I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So this was our, uh, our screw tape uh, Christmas. Um, I'm sure there's many more lies and ways in, that Satan tries to get at us and, and, and corrupt this season. But hopefully um, this can give you a taste and give you things to to look out for. So a couple of announcements, unless you have anything else before as we get into that. So we're going to have guests in the new year. That's our goal. We have a couple lined up already. Uh, But we need uh, some equipment, some gear for our guests is how I'm putting it. Some gear for guests. So um, that's some financial um, opportunities for, for you if... If you want to give like on a one-time basis, we've talked about our BS crew. They give on a monthly basis and we're so thankful for them. But this is like kind of a one-off opportunity to like donate specially for this gear. And so on the, at the bottom of our website, bumperstickerfaith.com, scroll all the way to the bottom on your phone or on your computer. And there's a little donate button. It's a PayPal button and you can put in a credit card or debit card number and donate specifically to that cause, like I said, kind of a one-time thing. And that would help us get um, some gears for our, so that we can have guests on the on the show. So that's, uh, so that's good. So hook a brother up, help a brother out, and um, take a look for that on our website. It was good to be with y'all again. Um, as you're getting ready for Christmas, like don't forget to keep the Christ in Christmas. So until we are with you guys again, stay blessed and don't step in no. B-S. B-S. Peace. <laughs>